slot. It's disclaimer time. As always, we may swear and we're going to talk about spoilers. We're also not associated with Fremantle, Foxtel, Showcase or Wentworth. Our opinions are our own. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to The Slot. We've got a super exciting episode for you this week. We have the one, the only, Sally Ann Upton with us. Thank you for joining us. How are you, Sally? Hello, Elle. Hello, Hannah. Hello. Thank you very much for coming and joining us on The Slot. Oh, no. Pleasure. Would you mind answering some of our questions about this show that we've become completely obsessed with? Sure. Go ahead. Wherever I can, I'll try to answer answer truthfully <laughs> miss sally upton is actually juicy lucy yes the new for yeah. the new fans who don't know who juicy lucy is but do you know who juicy lucy is well let's ask sally <laughs> sally who is what is juicy lucy what is juicy lucy well i i think juicy lucy having as sally ann upton i I am also a nurse, so I worked in a prison ward at Long Bay, um, which was the men's prison in Sydney, and they used to have a little unit off the, um, the one of the hospitals and the prisoners that had to come to and from theatre would go there and so I worked on that. So I, I knew firsthand what it was like behind bars from that experience plus my work with family prison um, which is now the Dame um, Frost Prison. Um, I used to go in and do workshops and um, take shows in there, plus Beechworth Prison in um, country Victoria. So I had a little bit of an experience with prison. So when I um, scored the role of Juicy Lucy, well, when I went for the first audition, the scene that was the audition scene was the scene where I bailed up Liz's daughter in the shower. Uh, and it was quite a powerful scene to audition to. And I said to the director, do you want me to go full throttle on this? And he said, yes, so I did. And I I just channeled what it would be like as a woman in Juicy Lucy's position, Lucy Gambaro's position. And I actually think Lucy Gambaro is a timer. She's one of those people that have been caught in the system at a very young age. You never looked into a background, but I would presume she would be Catholic. I think she's been abused through her life. She came through a very fractured family. This is in the back of my mind when I was doing it. I just made up her background for, for me. And I just think that... Um, any any abuse towards women, um, she didn't like, but she used to give out abuse. And I think Juicy Lucy is a timer where she feels more secure behind bars because at least she's got a process and a system. Um, I think um, what happened with Ferguson and what Ferguson was doing to the women just completely sent Juice over the edge. Yeah. Um, because Juice never used to do it herself. She used to get her boys to do it, Yeah, which were girls in the prison. So that's sort of where I came from with Juicy Lucy. I don't believe in the – I do believe in method acting. Sometimes you've got to 
really get into the character that way. But I don't believe in method acting that you have to be that character and embody that character in every aspect of your life while you're doing that character. I don't subscribe to that way of thinking as an actor. I believe that you've got to be in the truth in the moment of doing stuff. And that's what I do with Juicy Lucy. Whenever I've got to do something, I believe in that moment, once the camera has stopped rolling, I've got to drop it because you can't take that stuff away with you as an actor. It's too much. So I was going to ask about the psychological impact of playing such a um, such an interesting um, and uh, harsh character. How did that impact on you and how did you walk away from it at the end of the day and not take it home? Most of the time I could do it just by in that moment, I'm acting in the moment of cut, I'm not. The couple of times... One of the hardest days, and I, I actually rang my manager agent who was, um, he's also a very dear friend of mine and he used to be an actor. So we actually, I actually had to debrief and that was after the scene where the boys got Ferguson in the shower. It was a very hard day when we found out that that was in the script. Me and Pamela were in quite a bit of shock. Um, it was a lot to process and then we had to rehearse it and we had to feel comfortable ourselves within it. It wasn't. It was very hard for us mm. to do and it was very hard for the crew to witness. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those days where I walked away from set and I had to debrief because I thought if I had to do that every day, I, it's, I can't, you know, you just can't continue. So unfortunately, that's how you feel, but fortunately that's what happens in those type of circumstances in life mm-hmm. and it teaches you great lessons and also processing it with Pam and we pretty much come from a very honest type background of acting. We processed it together and got through it together, you know, but it was an incredible hard day at the office. Yeah, I can't quite imagine how hard that was. The dentist chair and all of that were, were, was, that was fine because that's, that's acting, but, but when you're doing those really horrible mm. scenes, um, they're, they're, they're pretty tricky. But I think that's the nature of this. The success of this show is they, the storylines don't shy away from the real reality and I think that's what makes it quite gripping um, and they don't code over and, yeah, I think that's what makes it so special. True, true. But in, the, in that token, you, you wouldn't want to do them every day, put it that yeah. way. <laughs> I can imagine it's a lot to yeah. process. And They never spoke about how yeah. Juicy Lucy yeah. got incarcerated did they no they didn't okay she just wandered in one day and you know she was just in another cell and just happened to wander in and wander out but that's the beauty of it like are we going to see her again are we not i mean say that's oh i can't that's just so secret (laughs) but um you know we're leading up to the final two seasons which they're about to film and you know, 
anything anything is possible, isn't it? I, I, you know, I don't tell anybody anything, no family, no friends, no nothing. They come and watch the show with me in my lounge room, all my friends, and they were in just as much shock as everybody else when my tongue got cut out. Uh, that was a brutal scene. Yeah, in Australia they call it tongue gate. Tongue they actually gate. say it's one of the most um, terrifying things seen on television. So, oh God, you know, it was fairly disgusting. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but do you know the irony is? Three weeks later, I was in my real dentist chair, and this is a true story. No, the drill bit broke in the mouth. And it cut my tongue, and there was blood everywhere. Oh, oh my god! Terrible. Now, if that didn't freak me out, and my dentist, I don't know what did. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that was the irony, and I just went, "Holy dooly!" Oh my god! But you're okay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a little nick on the side of my tongue, but it was just too freaky. Oh know? my goodness! Since now that. Um... Juicy Lucy is who knows where she is right now. She's at the Tom Transplant Clinic. But I've seen you on Neighbours, actually. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I scored a role on Neighbours as Mrs. Punt. (laughs) Oh, I love the name. (laughs) And she's quite a piece of work. So I'm a semi-regular that will come and go on Neighbours as they see fit, which is so delightful because I've worked out of Neighbours as I said, I'm a nurse, so sometimes I unit nurse. So I've worked out at Neighbours as a unit nurse, and I'm the medical advisor out at Neighbours anyway. So now being um, acting, the crew was so over the moon that I was out there acting. Um, so I was incredibly well supported. And, uh, yeah, I love Mrs Punt. She's a great character. I would love to see more of her on there because I think Ramsey Street needs a character like that to stir things up. Yeah. Going back to your um, nursing background, what what nursing did you do? Kind of like what was your um, field in nursing, and what took you from nursing to acting? Well, I it's a, it's in a roundabout way. I think my dad would say, my beautiful late dad would say, um, I came out of the womb um, to, to entertain, and I have always entertained my family always putting on concerts. At a very young age, I was on stage in ballet and then I did a lot of calisthenics. Coming up through my teenage years, I joined an amateur theatre group. So acting and performing was definitely in my blood. My first performance was on the ship coming out from Australia, uh, from England to Australia. We migrated out of a 10-pound tourist scheme in 1967. And my first performance was in front of the audience there singing Michael Rowe, The Boat Ashore. And I, that's when I first, the spotlight hit me. And in that moment, I was sucked in because everything else just paled into insignificance. So that's where that bug came from. But also, I had an innate sense of um, care. And mum said I had that at a young age, and I think that comes from my mum. She always wanted to be a nurse but never got around to it. And then when I was 15, um, when you do after-school jobs and all of that, I actually got a job in a supermarket. I hated that. And and I applied to Little Sisters of the Poor Nursing Home, and I actually nursed and started my training under the nuns before I went and did my full training at... um, South Sydney Hospital, and then I specialised in theatre 
for the different type of theatre, the operating theatre. And I um, I started off in the storage room there getting all the supplies ready for the ops and then I ended up being an anaesthetic nurse. Okay. I used to love doing the kids um, and making sure the kids were put to sleep in a very funny and harmonious mm. way. Uh, the, I used to have a technique that the kids wouldn't even know they were going to sleep. And um, I also um, was an anaesthetic nurse for Professor Fred Hollows, who's the eye surgeon. So I watched his wonderful work. And then I just went great picking around Australia and I ended up in Albury, Wodonga, where friends of mine were just starting up a comedy troupe and I ended up getting a role as a professional actor in a play there and that's where it kicked off. And in 88 I ended up in Melbourne doing stand-up. Nice. And wow. So so it's, it's been a mixture of nursing and acting all through my life. And a lot of people out there see you as a performer. And when they see you on television, the common thread worldwide is if you're on television, you're making a shitload of money and you make millions. But you think of Series 6. I was across that whole series of Wentworth. But my stuff was shot in just 15 days on a daily fee. If that's all I had... I, the average actor, working actor is is under the poverty line. So you have to have other things to support you. So I have my nursing and I also am a celebrant for marriages and funerals and different ceremonies and that's what keeps us afloat. There's only 3% of actors worldwide that are in the million-dollar bracket and 3% isn't much. Mm but they're the high rollers and they're the ones making the millions. The rest of us actors are working actors and it's it's mm. appalling. You wouldn't do it otherwise because, uh, you know, it's a hard slog to, to make money, but it's so wonderful when you're out doing what we're doing, you know. Yeah, you've got to do it for the love of the game, not, not the cash. Absolutely, absolutely. You, as a celebrant, married a Wentworth star, Mr. Rick James, he speaks very highly of you. You married him and his wife three years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Rick. Rick plays one of the prison guards, lovely yes. man, talented yeah. man. And he asked me, would I marry him and his wife? And it was a beautiful ceremony down towards the peninsula. And it was just a fantastic, intimate family gathering. But it was, it was great. Yeah, I get a lot of people... Um, wanting Juicy Lucy to marry them, but A, I would never do that, and B, I'm not allowed to do that. But, like, who wants Juicy Lucy to marry them? I was going to ask. I can't imagine the the hand tattoos going down too well with uh, mother-in-laws. No, I used to have to take especially the ones off on my fingers (laughs) because when I got that done, um, I drove home and I went into the garage to pay for the fuel and, you know, you have clip lip written on your fingers. The girl opposite was taking a step back. And I actually had a couple coming for a wedding meeting and I thought, oh, my God, I better take that off. Um, so, yes, it's not, those tattoos aren't good, not unless you're in traffic with somebody who's road raging. <laughs> then I did that once. The guy was road raging me and then I took off my uh, hoodie hmm. and just 
sat next to him in traffic with the tattoos and gave him one of Juicy Lucy's snarls. Yes. He seemed fucked off. It was great. <laughs> I got rid of him. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah. So what took you into Civil Celebrant? What took you there? Um, yeah, because I used to, I'm a singer as well, and I used to go to weddings as a wedding singer. And I got so sick of seeing really bad celebrants doing really, really bad mundane droning voice ceremonies and especially for funerals. I'm so over going to funerals with these funeral parlour people who get a celebrant that just speak in monotone and have no sense of worth of the person. I just find that horrid. So I just decided I, I, I've always wanted to do it. So I went and studied and got my licence, which isn't, isn't an easy feat. And now I've been a celebrant for over 13 years and I just love it. I'm actually writing a funeral at the moment to celebrate somebody's life. And it's really important to celebrate people's lives. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I saw you trying to promote legends. Can you tell us a little bit of what that's about? Because I saw that you won some awards for that. Yeah, won five awards for legends. Legends is a pilot what? that Stan Harrington put together. And instead of just writing a pilot and going around to all the possible producers and TV things, he he um, got it, the cast together, asked us to do it for nothing. And we... Um, we shot it in a week, four eps, over 10 days actually, four eps just on a camera, no lighting. Everybody did their own costumes and makeup. He wrote the character um, for the character he wrote for me. He wrote with me in mind, which I was terribly flattered with. And um, I just loved the script, and it's cross generational. It's a present day, goes back to the 1980s. And it's an amazing pilot he's put together and he put it in the pilot season last month and it ended up winning best pilot overall in the two festivals. Wow. He won five awards and I got best actress over overall in the pilot mm. season, which I was blown away. I just, mm. I never knew I was nominated. First time, no, it's not the first time I've been nominated for something, but it's the first time I've won something. I didn't even frock up or know about it. Didn't even walk the red carpet. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> well deserved. You actually deserve it. But I'm curious to know, what is that What is that show all about, actually, for fans who are interested? Well, I have to be careful because oh. it's still in negotiation. Okay, so, okay. But basically what it is is looking at three wonderful um, characters in school in the 80s have now grown up. So what, what they do is they're, they're, it's, it's sort of matching present day with what happened in the 80s and just how their lives turned out and all the different journeys they've been on. And it is absolutely hilarious. It's got such empathy and pathos. And anybody from a a four-year-old up to a 120-year-old lover because there's memories in it and it's about legends and it's about the legends of people and the legends of football and the, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful script. So hopefully with all of this acclaim, some producer will get behind it. I mean, say it's a wonderful series 
and you see so many wonderful series, but you also see so much crap that that gets funding and you just go, this guy needs a break and we all need a break because it's just going to be, I think, whoever picks it up is a very smart person. I really do. You also said if it gets promoted to the point that you would actually come over there to Las Vegas to come and help promote it. So I was like, oh, yeah, I would love to come see you again. Oh, look, I would love to. They have um, Wentworth Cons started up now. I just would love to get over to America because there's fans from America and and Canada and Mm -hmm. all around the world. Like, it's it's such, it's in 88 countries now, um, Wentworth. It's a global success and it's a real tribute to the talent here in Australia, but also... It's predominantly about women and it's not very often you yes. get those shows where exactly. a lot of women feature in incredibly great mm. roles. I mean, say, the journey of everybody's character, I just, I think it's been incredibly well cast, incredibly well written yes. and good on Foxtel for promoting it right the way through. I just, Fremantle Media, Foxtel, they've just done an amazing yeah. job. I'm so yeah. sad that it's, it's ending and, and I think that somebody else should pick it up. But no, I don't agree. You don't agree? Oh, please tell us why. I do not agree. I think it's a very smart move to end a series with the fans still loyal, the fans right there. You look at, if you take a leaf out of Faulty Towers, yes. how, how iconic that is right across the world, and there is only 12, there's only 13 eps, one of them yeah. being a pilot. Yeah. And I actually think it's better to end a series impactfully and on a high and celebrate it than it just keep going and dwindle out because the storyline. So I think a, a series is only good as a silence like music is only good as a silence. If you don't have silence, music isn't good, you know. You need the silence to understand that music's so wonderful. And we need to we need to end it on a high. We need to go out and be with the series, not not letting it dwindle into something that we don't want it to be. This is true, but I just don't know what I'm going to do when it's over. That's all right. This will go on forever. <laughs> we'll just have to do meet and greets and reminisce. Just and keep doing went with con screen star events. As long as that keeps going, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And obviously true, the true. slot podcast as well, that will keep going forever. Yeah, well, that's, that's it. You, you, you've got to keep it going. These things are really important because th- this is where the fan base is. This is, And it's incredibly important. Without your fans, you don't have a show. Without your crew, you don't have a show. True. Like the actors can do whatever they want, but if they're not lit, they're not filmed, they're not. We can't do anything without a good crew good production behind it. Mm. So, Miss Upton, this month in, um, actually in Australia, it's the Gynecological yes. Awareness Month, and I saw that you had posted that they donated an uh, exorbitant amount of money to research for gynecological exams and awareness, which is a very good thing because a lot of the problems are sometimes very much overlooked within the world. So being that you're a nurse, how has this impact, especially Australia, the fact that the government is donating so much money for the research and 
awareness and to check for these well exams. yeah but the reason why um gynecological cancer research is so important to me is my very uh, the late great linda gibson a friend of mine she um she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2000 and 2000 and she sadly passed away um in 2004 um so that journey um, I went on with her. We ended up, I ended up moving in with her and Al into a house so we could, when we when we finally realised that she wasn't going to, you know, beat it um, and she knew it was terminal, then we all moved in together and spent 11 months and nursed her the way she wanted and she ended up dying in the home and the way she wanted to die although it was such a barbaric disease to die from. So uh, to be asked to be the new ambassador, one of the new ambassadors for um, ANSGOG is incredibly important to me. It's carrying on Linda's legacy. Her and Karen Livingstone and Nicole Livingstone, the famous swimmer, their their mum died of ovarian cancer. So Linda and, and Nicole and Karen set up Ofcut, um, which was to get awareness. But ANZOG is about actual research. And we've got lots of cancer um, organisations raising money for the people who are dealing with it. But what's important about this is clinical trials. And as you know, with any cancer, that's where the, um, right. the, the, the research that are done in clinical trials is going to change their world. Correct. When Linda was diagnosed, you could put 100, 100 women in a room with breast cancer, 95 of them will survive. Right. You put 100 women in the room with ovarian cancer, um, only 15 would survive. Mm-hmm. Now it's up to 47. Oh, so it has improved greatly. But by the time, it's a very tricky cancer, ovarian or gynecological, because a lot of people... A lot of women still think and a lot of partners still think you get your um, pap smear, then um, that will show up everything. And it doesn't. It only shows up cervical cancer. Correct. Ovarian cancer there is no test for. Mm -hmm. By the time you've got symptoms, then um, it could could already take hold. And the symptoms are bloating, uh, you you feel you just feel off your periods are all out all, all the different stuff that you feel and you just put it down a lot of women put it down a menopause all this or that and linda didn't have a doctor really she used to go to those bulk billing medical places and she did for nine months went and told him about bloating and all of that and the young doctor just said oh you're pregnant and kept testing her for pregnancy but she wasn't and it wasn't until she actually said um, at a party to a friend, she was a very private person, Gib, um, that this was happening. Well, Fran was very proactive. Next minute she's in the women's clinic. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and then she was in getting it sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it didn't go her way. But so to be on the forefront and help Karen Livingston and the whole team to get money for research is really important and for the government to put the, all that money behind it just recently is fantastic because we all come from ovaries, whether you're a male or female, 
our ovaries is what brings us into life. And when they go really nasty, it can be very nasty for women. And unfortunately, a lot of women's health things get overlooked because mostly, predominantly, we've got males in power. Um, But that's slowly changing. So it's a great day indeed this week for us. Good. And um, I'm really looking forward to raising awareness because what the clinical trials that are happening in Australia and New Zealand are paid in the way right around the world. So it will benefit women in every corners of the world. So to be the ambassador or partly part of the ambassadorship of that, Good. I'm just um, elated, you know. And also a lot of people think ovarian cancer is for women in their 50s and that. But yeah. the diagnosis, the, like when Linda was diagnosed, she was sitting next to a girl that was 13. Yeah. It can happen. And it, 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 it's barbaric. It, it, it holds, you know, it, it doesn't discriminate on that no, score, it but it's one of those tricky ones. So I also, I also say empower yourself, women, but also the men out there. Empower yourself. If you think your partner um, is not right and they're not listening to you, hmm. book them into a women's health clinic. Tell them that you're going on a date. <laughs> and book them into a, a women's health clinic. Because the great thing about women's health clinics is that it's women about women and they won't fob you off. Correct. And, um, you know, if you think there's something wrong with your partner or mother or your grandmother or your daughter or anything, just take them there um, because the quicker you get diagnosed and on treatment, the, the, the longevity is there. And that's what we... So we, we'd love to talk about cure, but that's a long way off. But what we're trying to do is get something, A, something to detect it and also something to keep these women alive. Correct. So it's like it's like AIDS and HIV where you're living with it, not dying from it. Yeah. Correct. You know? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there's a lot of stigma surrounding uh, women's health in general and uh, especially gynecological health. Um, that does not help for the early detection. So that's something that, again, needs to be championed is this, you do not need to be embarrassed. Well, you'll never die of embarrassment. That is true. I don't know. Never, ever. I've never in all my nursing career have I ever seen anyone die of embarrassment. Speaking of embarrassment in nursing, what was the most embarrassing occurrence you've ever encountered as a nurse? Embarrassing. Yeah. For me, it was when I was. We used to do the old soap and water enemas, and I had to um, do a soap and water enema on this poor person. Oh god! And I'm putting the five point, the five pints of soap and water into them, and then you tip it down for it to come out, and nothing's coming out. And so I put another two pints in. And it kept going. And the woman forgot to tell me in her broken English, God bless her, that she had a colostomy bag and next minute the purse all the way up the wall. So that was one of the most embarrassing moments for me was not asking the right questions. And as a young nurse, I I learnt the hard way. Look, there was a few embarrassing moments, but you learnt from them, you know. Um, I, yeah, I I really... um, I treasure 
all of my moments as a nurse and still do, and I'm really thankful I still have that skill and I still can use it. And I'm not embarrassed by it. A lot of people will see me on set as a unit nurse and some actors will come up to me and go, don't you think this is a bit beneath you? It's like a red rag to a ball and I just usually turn around. You don't get it all the time, but you do get it. And I say no because the I'm around my crew. I know about things way ahead of time. When I walk on set as an actor, the respect I have of the crew is even more so. And I think I reckon every young actor should be on crew to understand what crew do because a lot of young actors just want to be a star yeah, and they just want to be famous and they walk on and some of the way they walk on with their attitudes Mm -hmm. just astounds me. And um, so, you know, I've met some uh, really great, wonderful people and famous people as as a unit nurse that and experiences that I would never have had if I was an actor. Mm. You know? Right, right. So it's it's very good and and also to look after people medically and spiritually, that's what unit nurses do. Mm. Those crews work long hours, they work fourteen hours mm. and uh, they don't have time to go to the doctors and stuff like that. So uh, a unit nurse keeps the morale of a production up. They're starting to use them less, and I think it's starting to show in how much burnout is happening with crew. So um, I'm really proud of being a nurse. I'm not embarrassed by it one bit. I'm proud of you too. I was going to ask, um, so I'm coming from a psychology perspective. Um, is there any psychological uh, support on set for casting crew? There is now, after the Me Too thing, there is more support for that. Look, it's such a it's such a, a weird world that we're in. When we're making a production, it becomes our world. And also people can do things in that world, whether it be on camera, off camera, on stage or off stage. And there can be bullying and all of that going on. But I'm finding now with the Me Too... With every contract you get, there's a code of conduct. There's there's a lot more set in place in the last few years to report and support all that stuff. And usually, a production will look after people. When you look at stuff, you look at the corporation of Foxtel and all that. They they go out of their way to make sure everybody's all right. And I've watched single handedly how they've handled some situations, and I have to say they did it well. Um, so it's up to us to speak out when something's wrong and mm. don't be afraid to speak up. And that's what I, so when I teach acting, I teach that to the young ones. If you're not comfortable, you say no. Just to wrap things up, if I could bring it back to uh, Juice just for a minute, I just wanted to ask you how Juice compares to the other characters that you have played and how that impacted on your preparation for the role. Um. It, it was great having that evil. Well, I always say she make you laugh before yes. she rapes and kills. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? She'll, she'll make you laugh. Yep. She'll lure you in. She'll rape and kill you and then give you another laugh afterwards. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's one of the greatest characters I've been given. And also it was something that they created. She wasn't around before. So to be given... Mm 
that opportunity. But to be fair, I was only supposed to be in Series 3 for 5X mm. and they loved okay. Juicy Lucy and I ended up getting, well, so far I ended up getting four seasons out of it. So I'm elated and to be able to create a character that people, you know, one of the greatest compliments is, I just can't stand you, but I can't stop looking at you, you know. Um, so it's kind of like that is a great a great character. I've done so many great characters and I'm looking forward to the ones that I don't know about that are coming up, you know. Right. Um, I just, I really love what I do and I especially like film and TV. I love live theatre, don't get me wrong. But you can do, when you're doing musicals and that, that's a hard slog. And you're away from home, you're away from your community. It's a long, lonely road. And everybody thinks it's glamorous, but the glamour is what you produce on stage. The rest of the time you're living out of a suitcase in cities and away from your family and friends. So you're doing 10 shows a week. Um, I love the immediacy of acting in front of a camera. And I'm I'm just really embracing that. But um, there's not much I haven't done except opera. Um, And I can honestly say um, I think musical theatre is the most trickiest one to do because of the elements in it. But I just love it all and I'm blessed. I'm blessed that I can sing. I'm blessed that I can act. And I'm blessed that I have my comic timing and that comes from my English background and my dad, you know. So... I feel pretty blessed. Mm. I think we're we're blessed to have seen Juicy Lucy oh, yes, from yes, you, really. Definitely. Like, Enjoy I so love much. hate Juicy Lucy. Yeah. I really, I'm really thankful to the fans for embracing <laughs> it. You know, and going to the meet and greets—that's what I love about the meet and greets. It's not for me to stand there as an actor and lord it up and go, "Oh, I'm a wanker. Here I am." I love meeting the fans. And because, the fans love meeting you, trust me. Oh, to hear their stories and why and all of that. Don't get me wrong, you get the odd fan or the odd troll, you know, and when people say don't block a troll, get out. If you're going <laughs> to troll me, I'm going to block you. Fuck off. Not interested. You know what I mean? Oh it's like God, me I think social media and that is great, but we have to be careful what we type and what we do because it's very easy and very weak and no guts at all to sit at home on a typewriter or oh, they're showing my age typewriter on a computer or <laughs> an iPad or something and write what you think about that person. But you've got to think how are people going to receive that? There's lots I would like to write on social media about different things, but I've just got to go, yeah. well, you know, it's not my journey yeah. and stuff like that. But the fans, I really would love to get over to America and Canada to meet the fans. Oh, and, oh and come to the next Wentworth Con. You know, I really, yeah, well, all the fans, get on to Wentworth Con. Say we want Juicy Lucy. I'll be there. That's we what you want. Screen Stars event. Again, I'll come. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're hoping for that. And they're starting them up here in Australia. True, so. True. Nicole, yes. Frank, yeah. people are going to get out to see Nicole yeah. and 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 Danielle again. And yeah. you can see this is the first one Nicole's done. Yes. And what a delightful thing yeah. she is. What a talent she is. Really? 
Yeah, you won't be disappointed either. Yeah, both both me and oh, Hannah will so be great. in Melbourne. Oh, Miss Upton, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and talk with thank us. Thank you. We so much appreciate it, and it's so great to talk to you again. Yeah, and good on you for doing these podcasts. It's really important because fans feel connected, and we all feel connected, and we're all part of this wonderful journey because you know. Yeah. We've made it. You guys love it, yeah. and this is what it is. This is what it's about, and these things are important. I think that's you know? what makes Wentworth yeah. special is that the fan connection that it seems to have built. Well, the amount of people that we've met is really interesting through the fan yes. base. Like mm. we've had weddings through it, we've had babies through it, we've yeah. had you know people yes. coming out through it. Um, mm. The journeys are really. Yeah really important i think that's why people love all the different characters and what they do yeah and it's a real tribute to the writers i have to say they've yeah. done an amazing job definitely i think wasn't this wasn't the cliffhanger at the end of the last season oh. bonkers i went oh my god oh. that's just wonderful i just did not see that coming <laughs> Just no <laughs> a lot of us didn't it was wonderful i, I don't have words and aside from legends, is there anything that we need to be keeping an eye out from you? What is next? Yeah, well, next year, hopefully, I'm going to be doing my one-woman show, my cabaret show. So, and I once I get that up and yeah, so happening in Australia, that's when I want to bring it to America, and I want to definitely bring it back to my mother country of England. Yes, I just want to well, deal with it. And it's wonderful. Where, whereabouts in England do you originate from? I originally, I was born in Yorkshire. Oh. That's what I love about coming back to England is I get to see my English family and reconnect and, and all of that stuff. So it'll be good. It'll be, you know, I think in the next few years, I, I, I've just got a strong feeling I'm going to see America and get over there again and, and meet people. But thank you so much, Miss Upton. It's been such a pleasure and an honour to have you come on our show and to talk about Juicy Lucy and everything that you've done. Yes. We miss you yeah. so much and we hope to see you again in the future. Yes. No worries. And anybody soon. wants to get married worldwide, I travel all over the world to do my marriages. That is noted. So, I'm not engaged, but that's noted. <laughs> never know. You never know, Al. N- never know. If, if I get engaged, I'll give you a call. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, lots of love, everyone. And I just say to everyone, kick ass and take lots of prisoners. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah, right up top. All right.